Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. Pick up on verse 1 just for context and come down to verse 24. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, this is, this is no bother to you. Flip back to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse uh, 30 and verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. The word perdition here means waste. We, we, don't, we don't pull away from God and then waste the potential or the opportunity. But he says what we do is we are of them who believe to the saving of the soul. Then he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. And he said, through faith we understand that the world is reframed by the word of God. Now, now go down to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24. It says, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let's sit tonight. We're going to get... Now, I don't believe in deep because we're doing Faith 101, but tonight... Is just one of those side issues that you must discuss in order to help the, the um, entire body get a, get a grasp on what God is doing. Now, I'm not going to ask you, but I'm going to tell you. Most of the people in this room tonight are confused with, with the doctrine of eternal salvation. We, we, we're confused by it because on the one hand, the Bible says that Jesus Christ has saved us from our sins. But the, but the experience is that on a day-to-day basis, you say, Pastor, you know, I'm victorious sometimes, but not all the time. And so I talked to you on Sunday about how your mind works. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, be ye transformed. Matter of fact, it begins by saying, be not conformed to this world. Don't be forced into the mold. Um, literal um, reference here is to peer pressure. Don't allow yourself to be pressured into acting like everybody else. The Bible says what, we are, what we're to do is to remember that we were born again. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Now, a lot of the things that the Bible says seem so fictitious in our experience. There are a lot of things. When you read Romans chapter 6, if you, if you were to sit down and just do a casual reading in an easy to understand translation of Romans 6, what you will find is what the Bible is talking about and what we're experiencing in church, they're two different things. Matter of fact, do, do, do me this, just indulge me. Put Romans chapter 6 verse 1 up on, on the screen and from the New Living Translation. I want to show you something. Now, now imagine this. Imagine that you, you came to an orientation and you had no idea what the company was about. You know, you won the recruits and you were highly recruited to come and work for this company. And when they brought you and they said, listen, we're like no other company you've ever been a part of. Uh, we're going to train you. Some of the things we're going to tell you, they're government secrets. And they start to talk to you about all these secrets that they have in this company. And they'll tell you something like, the world that you live in right now, we programmed it. 
There are a lot of things out there that you think you're seeing that's not really there. So what we're going to do, we're going to give you inside information when you go out there. Now remember, it's not the way it looks. Okay? What I'm going to read, I'm going to read this to you, and, and you'll see how strange it sounds in comparison to church and your Christian experience. This is supposedly the reality of salvation. But what, what hinders us is that our belief system has not been reprogrammed. And what we have done, we, we brought people to church, people got saved, came with inferior information, and then we start throwing doctrine at them as if they're going to understand what we're saying. And so we teach you, we teach you terminology. If, if I say to, if I, if I use a term like, if I, if I use a term like um, psychoanalysis and, and then don't define it, but just keep using the term around you. Start using terms like, you know, we, we're going to examine the semantic differences. Don't tell you what it means. After a while, you can pick up on the terminology without the depth of meaning. And what's happening to most of us is we're trying to live for the Lord, and we, we, we're yet to disengage our own strength. And so we're in this struggle that we're not supposed to be in. And it all has to do with fighting against a system that has been programmed into our very hearts. I'm going to show you this. Indulge me for a moment. Romans chapter 6 is what I said, verse 1. All right. Let me get some utensils here. Okay, here we go. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Now, when, this, when Paul starts chapter 6 with this statement, you have to understand he's picking up from, from chapter 5. In chapter 5, he makes a bold statement. Here's what he said. He said, God's grace is so powerful that the more, the more sin happens in the world, the more grace is available. He said, where sin doth abound, grace doth the much more abound. In other words, he said, uh, it, there cannot be enough sin in the earth to swallow up God's grace. It's too much grace. But now, when he, well, listen, but when he makes this statement, he makes a statement, and you can imagine he's telling, the Romans now, they live in a very indulgent culture. By this time, the entire Senate is in, is in debauchery. They don't even know who, I mean, they don't know, they've lost, all the lines are blurred. Uh, um, gender lines, all the lines, political, everything is blurred. Everybody's doing what they want to do. For killing their family for political office. Okay? And so when Paul writes this, he, he tells him, he said, listen, he said, the sin issue is not a big deal. He said, Adam sinned and everybody became sinners when they were born. He said, the same way, Christ or Christ or live righteously, so everyone become righteous when they are born again. This is where Carlton Pearson messed up. He's thinking, Carlton Pearson thinks, that because you were born and Christ died, that makes you automatically righteous. No, he's saying, People when they were born were born into sin because of Adam. But when you're born again, you're born into righteousness. Amen. That means, watch this, without trying, when you're born, you're a sinner. Amen. So that means the same has to be true. Without trying, when you're born again, righteousness should be your natural environment. Amen. Wait, now, now, wait a minute. Before we start clapping, we're we going to get excited in a minute. But let's get some understanding before we start shouting. Because, see, I'm disturbed with this. When I measure spiritual things in the word of God, you have to understand, the Bible calls me the under-shepherd. I am the in-sample and the example of spirit of love, of faith, all the things that pertains to this particular body, the people I'm called to. So I measure me. Is that right? Well, the Bible says so. First, first Timothy chapter 4 tells me in verse 16, it tells me, take heed to myself and to my doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this I will save both myself and those that hear me. So I can measure what's happening with those that hear me by what's happening with myself. And one of the struggles that we involve ourselves in 
especially when we, when we enter the arena of the distasteful, when things begin to happen in our lives that pressure us, God is holding us to a certain standard, but other things happen that force us to need another answer. Have you ever been in a situation where the word of God says this one thing, but your life is so pressing in this area, you need another answer? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Good. Well, when that happens, what comes out of you is the real you. When life pushes you out of your comfort zone and pins you against the wall, the way you respond, that's what's in you. When I get into financial pressure, I give instinctively. I try to give away everything I got. That's what's in me. It, was, it took years to build it into me. So you come to, you come to this meeting, the company's giving you orientation, and they say to you, um, well then, should we keep on sinning that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace. Keep on flowing the scriptures. Verse two, it says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Verse three, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Now wait a minute, here's what he's saying. He's saying that, how many of you remember the day you were baptized, the day you were baptized? How many of you have not been baptized yet, but you're born again, have not been baptized? Okay, here's a word to you, get baptized. It's a part of the system. Now, let me show you something. The Bible says that when we are baptized, or when we were baptized, something supernaturally happened. The reason God told us to get baptized is because in that single act of obedience, he's going to replace something. He has, he has this thing on pause, and every time someone is baptized, he raises Jesus from the dead and raises them again. Technically, he doesn't raise him again. He takes us back 2,000 years and raises us with Christ. Amen. Now, remember the Lord's words before he died. He said, into thine hands, I commend my spirit. I give you control and authority over my life, over my spirit. In other words, once I die, I can't raise myself from the dead. But in another place, he said, the Father has given me authority to both lay down my life and take it up again. But when he gives the intricate details, he says, really, I'm not taking it up again. The Father is going to raise me. In the book of Romans chapter 8, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies. God raised Jesus from the dead. Everybody say that. Say, God raised Jesus from the dead. Well, according to the scripture here, the Bible says the same glorious power of the Father that raised him from the dead. When you were baptized, it raised you up out the water. Imagine a reverse pickpocket. Someone walks by you and brushes up against you, but instead of taking something from you, they leave something in your pocket. So you're walking around and someone comes to frisk you and say, I ain't got nothing on me, you check all you want to, but you don't know you got life all in your pocket. It's, it's, it's coming all out your pocket and you're like, how did that get there? You don't even know it's there. So by virtue of that, you're functioning as if you're still operating in death. It was a reverse pickpocket. Now, let me show you this. Look at verse 5. Let me get my utensils one more time. Okay? Look at this. Since we have been united with him in his death, we, also will, uh, we will also be raised to life as he was. Now, verse 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. So the, so the boss brings you in, and the orientation he says to you, he says, what you don't know is, he said, when you go out there, you function like slaves. But I'm here to tell you, uh, since you've been oriented into the company, uh, you're not slaves anymore. Oh, wow. That's good. 
So your, your wheels start turning. Wait a minute. Out there in the world, slaves live on one side in one state, in one condition, but the free folk live over here on another side in another condition. You mean to tell me when I walk out this room, I don't have to go back to that side? And the, the guy giving the orientation tells you, you could do what you want to do. What I'm telling you is, you're not a slave anymore. Listen, but I've been living in slavery. I understand that. But what I'm here to tell you is, is that you're not a slave anymore. Now process that how you want to. Okay, now watch this now. Verse 7. For, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now, this stuff right here sounds wonderful. It preaches well. It's poetic. It, it sits on my page real nice. I mean, sentences are real nice. But you, sin doesn't have authority over me? <laughs> you don't know me. If this is reality, if this is truth, then what are we living Now I'm going to tell you, Paul says, if, only, if, if in this life only we have hope, that means we come to church, we get excited, we read the word, and then we have this expectation, but when we die, it wasn't for real? He says that we're most pitiful and miserable among men. He said, man, this is a game. It's a joke. It's a sick joke. That someone would make us to believe that this stuff is true, but it's not true, because not a person in the room can stand and testify that consistently this is your experience. But it's the truth. And then another generation will come along and they say, you know, throw away the church. And they look so worldly in what they do, they adopt all the ways of the world and call it redemption. The church is going backwards. What we need to do is get a sense of what he's saying. He says, either it's true or it's a lie. When we died with Christ, we were, pastors, set free from the from the what? Power. Not the availability, but the what? Hmm. Not the suggestion of, but the, the power of it. So what would you give to know how this works? Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees, Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. 
It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. I was laying on my bed today, uh, uh, went, went on a uh, 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 24-hour hiatus, came back, lay on my bed. I said, I'm tired, i get some rest, and I laid there. And the Lord starts to speak to me. But what he was telling me was so elementary to me, because I'd heard it so many times before, that I kind of took mental note of it, and I turned over and went to sleep. And it was as if he came to that side of the bed and started talking again. You don't understand what I'm telling you. I was like, well, Lord, I've taught this before. He said, you don't understand what I'm telling you. So after about 30 to 40 minutes of laying there, just unable to fall asleep, I, I sat up and began to make notes and got three pages of notes to share with you tonight. But it, it was, it's predicated on you seeing this dilemma. Okay? Verse 8 says, And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Verse 9. We are sure of this. We are sure because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. Verse 10. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So that's the, that's the order of God. Christ died to break the power of sin so he could live to the glory of God. Well, what happened to him happened to us. When you, are baptized, when you receive Jesus Christ, when you believe the gospel, receive Jesus Christ, you are baptized, you died to break the power of sin in your life. And when you, when you came up, you said, but it was just water. That's what you thought it was. What it was is what the Bible calls a type and a shadow of something real. You got it? When, when Moses was building the tabernacle, God said to him, see to it that you build according to these specific dimensions. Why? Because he said what you're building is a replica or, or a miniature of an exact uh, uh, tabernacle in heaven, exact court layout. He says, when, when, you, read, when you read building plans, they, they have what's called a scale. And they'll tell you that one inch equals how many feet. They'll give you a scale so that you can know exactly what, how big it's going to be, how, this, how big this room is going to be by feet and not inches. Amen. Well, God told Moses, he told him, no. He said, when you build the ark, make sure you build it with these dimensions. You got it? Because it was a type of something else. It was a representative of another thing that was real. So when you go in the water and think that you get in the water, it's always oh, cold. It's all nice and someone is in there. We speak words over you. You think you're doing something natural, but you're doing something spiritual. And what you do brings the supernatural upon it. What you do is natural. What God asks is a super. It's supernatural. Something major happens. And so you walk around thinking there's nothing big to it. It's a big deal. Okay, now watch this, verse 11. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Now, he uses the word consider. The word consider is a thought word. It's a a thought word. So he says, you need to think. You need to think that you are dead to the power of sin and think that you're alive to God. Here's what he's saying. It's real. But if you don't think so, it's not. They said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And what we have done in church for years, especially since the turn of the 20th century, is we've been teaching Christians 
of to have a lobotomy. When Pentecost came in, when, when, when Azusa Street broke out, thank God for the Spirit. The Spirit of God came in and did tremendous things that we couldn't think of or even measure with our minds. But God did not tell us to lose our minds. Amen. He didn't tell us we have to stop thinking. He did not relieve us from considering. The King James says reckon. The, the, this term reckon is a mathematical term. It's dealing with accounting. He's saying when you, when you count it, when you're doing numbers, you got to think it through. And you have to know what, what, what to put where. He says when it comes to sin, he says you have to understand. It's a thought thing. You understand and think because it's real that you are really dead. The power of sin has no pull on you. But the life of Christ does. The power is broken. Power is gone, not the availability. Not the argument. Not the assault of it. That's the power. Okay, now watch this. Uh, um, go to verse, is this the verse? Verse 12. Do, here's what, now, everybody read, this, read it out loud. Ready? Read. Do not let sin control the way you live. Stop. Now, let's be real. Let's not even play, we're not going to play church. You mean to tell me, you tell, Lord, do you don't even know me? You mean to tell me, don't let sin control me? <laughs> That's all I know. Doesn't change the fact I love you. Doesn't change the fact I'm, I'm doing my best, but, but when, when, it, when it does its thing, you know, I mean, I just got to. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, as long as sin is, as long as sin is not pressuring me, I'm fine. I could quote that scripture and believe it, but when sin starts to pressure me, I'll be down for, uh, for a minute. I'm going to get up. We fall down, but that has become your anthem. That's the anthem. You're flying the flag of we fall down, but we get up. That's, 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 that's your, I mean, that's all playing around your house. You got it? Sweep around your own back door. You know what that says? Don't talk about my sin, talk about yours. Because the bottom, the bottom line is this thing does, is not even real to us because the pressure and pull of sin still appears to be power. It's just pressure. It's just pull. But, it's, but it appears to be power, and it's ruining our lives. The sin in my life is driving people from me. The sin in your life is messing up opportunities. Closing doors. And the Lord says, don't let it control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful desire. Shout that word. Desire. Shout that word. Desire. Watch this now. Pursuit is the proof of desire. And desire is the marker of value. If you want to know what I value, ask me what I desire. And then when I tell you, watch me long enough to see what I pursue, and you'll know if I'm telling the truth or not. The connection is value, desire, pursuit. Value, desire, pursuit. And your belief system is set up around that entire word, or this, this word right, rather, the, the word desire. Say the word again. Say desire. desire. It's about what you want. Oh, yes, sir. Next verse. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of, of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Instead, give yourselves Instead, give yourselves Why? For you were dead, but now you have new life. 
So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Here's what he said. He says, here's the thing. You were dead. Let me translate. You will never enjoy sin again. I didn't say you'll never do it. Here's what I said. You'll never enjoy it. Before we got saved, we enjoy sin. We sin because we enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. You'll never enjoy it again because the only reason you, you enjoyed it before is because we were dead. He says, now that you're alive, he says the only logical thing to do, now that you have new life, is to give yourself completely to God. It's to give yourself completely to God. It's to give yourself He says, use your whole body as an instrument. Verse 14. Sin is no longer your master. For some of us, that's a revelation. Now, now, I could go through this whole thing. I could, I could go through this whole thing, and I'll come back to it. But let me ask you a question. Honestly, this is how we're going to learn. To, how many of you say, Pastor, you know, this is foreign. Be honest. Let me define foreign. Because <laughs> either y'all don't know me, or you're just sitting up here lying in church. Foreign means it doesn't live with me. It's not a part of my life. How many of you look at this and say, you know what? In its context, what it's saying, Pastor, that's not my experience every day. Keep your hand up. It's not my experience every day. Put your hand down. How many of you did not raise your hand? Keep your hand up. Put your hand down. You didn't understand the question, so I'm going to ask you again. Now, here's what I'm your pastor. You got it? Jesus said, he said, the student will be as his teacher, not greater. That's the, that, is the, that is the principle of scripture. God is not going to set you with me. And then you sit and say, well, Pastor, you know, every day, I mean, I, I experience this. I, I never have. You lying. You are a bald-faced liar. You should be ashamed of yourself in the house of God. Telling a lie. No, I'm going to tell you. Now, so I'm going to go on like you, like you didn't even lie tonight. I'm just going, okay? You didn't, you didn't tell a lie. I'm going to just let, let you go. Much love to you. I'm just, I'm just, you know, brother, now I'm just teasing you. Now, I counsel you. I know. You blowing up my, my email and, and, and my phone. Come down. I need to see pastor right now. I'm about to kill somebody. No, I know. I know. Don't play me. Say, oh, oh, thank you much. Like, 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 who in the world can you be talking? I'm talking about you. <laughs> if you're visiting tonight, listen, I'm telling you, it's real. Now, in the scripture, I want to go back to the text to get through this real quickly. It is critical that you understand when the Bible talks about, about the belief system of your mind, of the word heart shows up a lot. And in scripture, what we have done is we've categorized it. It depends on where you go for your training. If you go to maybe Raymond or Bible Training Center, they'll tell you that the heart is the spirit. Well, if you read scripture and be consistent, the heart cannot just define the spirit. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm word of faith by persuasion, uh, independent full gospel. That's what I believe. But that cannot be correct. Or else the Bible is contradicting itself. And we know the Bible says that God be true and every man a liar. Okay? So I'm gonna, we're going to go through the story quickly of Moses. And I'm going to show you things about yourself that will help you win tonight. 
We'll help you win tonight, okay? Now, we, st- we started on Sunday talking about how it works. The way it works is my belief system is comprised of my conscious mind, my subconscious mind, and my conscience, okay? My conscious mind makes decisions. Its responsibility is to bear the burden of choosing. It chooses every day. Every, you're choosing every moment. There's not a moment of the day where you're not choosing. You're choosing, okay? Now, your subconscious mind is paying close attention to the activity of the conscious mind because its job is to take the decision-making power away from you if it realizes that what you're doing could could, uh, qualify for habit. For example, if I keep choosing to do the same thing over and over again, then the subconscious mind's job is to take that away from me so that I have to keep using power to choose. my, My subconscious mind is my autopilot. So why, if we keep flying to the same location all the time, the subconscious mind, just put, just put the plane on autopilot and I'll fly you there. But in order to do so, the subconscious mind will take the decision from the conscious mind, extract the, hap, the uh, habitual part of it, and take the value and store it in a vault that we call conscience. Okay? The way it works now, it works now in reverse order. The way you see decision is that I, I, I choose it, my subconscious mind grabs it, and stores a value, but it works when it works out, it works out in reverse order. The thing I value, you got it? Prompts the subconscious mind, which makes the decision before I think about it. And that's what's messing you up. Because uh, people say, let, let your conscience be a God. I, I've been telling you for years, you can't do that. You have to evaluate what kind of information is in your conscience. Because the information in your conscience, the knowledge in your conscience, is what you're living off of. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.